Hello, my name is Veronica Grant, and I am a love and life coach for women who feel like they have it all except love. And I'm also the host of the Love Life Connection podcast, and you're listening to Chasing Dreams with Amy J. Welcome to Chasing Dreams podcast with Amy J. Amy believes that realizing a life without regrets is achieved by taking chances, chasing your dreams, making moves, and overcoming your doubts. The Chasing Dreams podcast will help you overcome life's obstacles, believe in your potential, and inspire you to face your fears. And now here's the woman who is passionately pursuing her dreams, Amy J. Veronica, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. You know, it was very exciting for me to find um, your resume, so to speak, come across my desk and the invite come to that you were interested in being on the show. And I was like, you know what, this is perfect because I've been wanting to talk about a topic you are well versed in and that you talk about, which is self-love and how, you know, mental health is a huge thing for me and, and for my audience and my fellow dream chasers, it's something I think we struggle with. Uh, we have ups, we have downs, we have good, we have bad, and we're so focused on what we're doing that we forget about ourselves. And so wanted to talk a little bit about that and what that means. Before we get into that, we got to get to know you a little bit. So tell us, when Veronica was a young child, what <laughs> did young Veronica dream of being? Uh, it's funny. Young Veronica wanted to be an astronaut. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Love and, it. And it's actually something I've talked a lot about on my podcast and with my audience. Cause, um, you know, it can feel like, Oh, like she wanted to be an astronaut and now she's a life coach. Like, I guess that took a turn of events. But the thing is, is that I actually think it's super related, um, because they're both of those desires were driven by this, um, want to know more and to go deeper. And so it's like when you're an astronaut and you study, you know, the planets and the stars and galaxies and universes and everything, it's just like, how much further can you go? Like there's, there's no end. Right. So it's just like the idea of exploration. I was fascinated by that when I was younger, even went to space camp and everything. Nice. Um, yeah. Full nerd out. Um, and then as a life coach, the work I do with my clients, like it's really deep. Like it's not like, oh, write this on your profile or say this or do that. But it's really like inner child work and really understanding what makes us tick and why we um, do what seems to be irrational things on the surface, like always like the person who's not good for us and all that kind of stuff. And you could just go as deep and as deep and as deep and as deep as you want and just infinite really. So maybe like a different medium, not necessarily like exploring the far ends of the universe, but there's definitely an element of exploration, seeking, learning in, in my work today. You know, it's interesting that people think, and I think you're right. I think people would hear that and say, well, she just, she went around the corner about that. Didn't she just like worlds apart in terms of dreams. And and I think the truth is, is that there's always a little kernel of commonality yeah. in the things that we dream and aspire to be. And it's in the different forms that we find it that we begin to see that similarity. I think you're absolutely right. Exploration is huge 
commonality between space and what you're doing now as a life coach. And I work for NASA, so I can say that accurately. <laughs> I can. Oh, wow. So, I know that's awesome. <laughs> I did. Seven years. So I can say exploration is a huge part of what an astronaut and work in space does. And so um, did you, you went to space camp. When did that turn happen, though, from astronaut to life coach? Was there an in-between pit stop on your way there? What's really interesting is, I don't remember exactly how old I was at space camp. I was probably in middle school, so 11, 12, 13. And um, around that time, I told my parents I wanted to redecorate my bedroom. (laughs) And I was like, I'm going to do it how I want to do it. So we painted it dark blue. And then I had all of these like cutout stencils of like stars and planets and everything. And um, I started like would put gold stars and planets all over my bedroom. And, and then I created these little um, quote cards that all had to do with planets and stars, but they're all like inspirational really? kind of quotes. And yeah. And, and I also had a journal where if I ever came across a quote that I really liked, I would, you know, just have Ooh. my little book of, or my little journal of quotes. I love that. And um, I read all of the chicken soup for the soul books, like even the ones that were like chicken soup for the mother's soul. And I'm like, chicken soup for the doctor and stuff like (laughs) (laughs) Like everything. Like I read all of those books. And so I think it was not like something that just transformed into being, you know, the life coach. I I think there was always that tendency there. Mm -hmm. And I, I didn't even realize that. I remember, you know, my mom gave me a book on like puberty and like what was happening to my hormones and body and everything. And most kids would be like, oh, I'm not going to read that. I read that book like five times uh, because I just thought it was so fascinating because like the book was, yeah, it was like telling you what was going to happen and change in your body, but it was also from kind of like a personal development perspective mm-hmm. and for, for like a teen. Sure. And I, I loved that. I just thought it was so fascinating and interesting. And I remember reading that book at least two or three times. Um, I probably read it more. Uh, so I think it's always been, you know, yeah, I think I think it's always been there. I would say I got, I don't want to say distracted, but, um, you know, then I went to college and I didn't study like psychology or I didn't even study like interesting astronomy or anything. What'd you do? I was... I was a, a Middle East studies major with um, a minor in social and economic justice. And wow. so, um, yeah, so I, I, I was on that wagon for all of college and grad school. And then I went to, then I had a few jobs that were in the field. And then I was just like, wow, this is soul sucking work. <laughs> um, I mean, I thought we were doing good work and it was like, you know, for the cause, but it just wasn't good work environments. And I basically had the realization that in terms of what I was studying and what I wanted to do, I had two options. I could either be a paper pusher in DC or I could live abroad and be in the field of, you know, the work that I was interested in. And I didn't want to, I was an expat for a little bit, but I didn't want to be an expat forever. And I didn't want to just do basically be in administration at, for like nonprofits or political organizations or whatever in DC. And so that's when I kind of got back to this part of me that just like to, um, yeah, just explore. And 
I was also just not super, I was, I mean, I wasn't like unhappy, but I was just not my best self. Like I was just really stressed out and these types of jobs in the career path, especially like DC culture, it's super competitive. It's super like climbing over each other to get to the next rung. And like, and I can definitely compete in that environment for sure. Like I'm very capable of it, but it does not bring out the best part in me. And so I just kind of got burnt out and a little kind of jaded and disgusted uh, with that career and that path. And and so that's when I was like, I think I'm going to do my own thing. And that was about six... Well, I decided I was going to do my own thing about seven years ago. And I've been working for myself about five or six years ago. So what's interesting is it sounds like you had kind of a um, come to the light moment, if you will, where you're like, hey, things aren't as happy as they could be for me. Like, I'm, 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 I'm doing the things I need to be doing, but maybe this isn't for me anymore. And you kind of, was there ever one thing that kind of triggered that? Or was it like a series of little things that kind of kept picking at you? Like, mm, maybe it's time a week later, yeah. mm, maybe it's time. I think there's two things. And the first thing that happened, I didn't realize really what was going on in the moment, but I, so in 2012, I worked on the Obama campaign. I was a paid staffer and, um, you know, it goes without saying working on a campaign is just like insanity. It's just like, it's, <laughs> it's not a job. It's your life. Um, you don't see your friends. You don't do anything other than work for the campaign. Like we, we did a, we had a new hire, like over the summer, I came on early on the campaign. Then, you know, we had a hire in the summer and she was like, so what about personal time? And I'm like, yeah, that's cute. <laughs> Personal <laughs> time. <laughs> Anyways, and so, um, and and so my my boss wanted to do something really fun for us, and so he after we closed down the office for the night, which is probably around nine or ten o'clock, mm. um, he wanted us to go to this volunteer's house who was hosting us, and um, there was food, and we were going to watch like some. I don't know, some Obama document. I forget what we watched. It was some like fun movie or whatever. And it was supposed to be fun. It was supposed to be like a team bonding thing. And I was like a straight up bitch. Oh. <laughs> um, I was like, this is like, I need to sleep. I have to get up early. I need to be doing my paperwork and checking on my computer by 7 a.m. Mm-hmm. Like I was just like this monster and I couldn't just let it be. Okay, one night I might not get as much sleep as I normally do, but we're doing this fun team thing. And, and so he called me out on it and obviously I felt bad and I apologized. Um, but it didn't really dawn on me. Like, like this isn't necessarily the best environment. And then, um, and then after the campaign, I had this job in DC that was just freaking miserable. And I think that was really, it's a long catalyst. So it's probably the job for about almost two years. Uh, I hated that job so much. And it just solidified just, yeah, it just solidified everything for me. And I was like, I cannot be in this world anymore. And so I'm grateful for that job because I certainly, I don't want to say I abused it, but like I did the bare minimum. So I had time to build my business on the side. Um, and I didn't really care because we were all grossly underpaid, especially for living in Washington, D.C., which is a super expensive place to live. And not uncommon. Uh, and so I just didn't care. And I was like, I just this job is making or helping me pay my rent. And I'm working on my business when I'm not at my job. And um, 
So it was, it was those two moments. Obviously, the second moment is not really a moment. It was more of like a period of time where I was just like, I'm not playing this game anymore. Right. So but it got it, me into my business. But I think what's interesting is, is that um, I think we all go through, we have these moments, right? The fact that you acknowledged it, even if it's after the fact, but that you look back and you're like, hey, that was probably a turning point for me. And I had my own turning point. And I think other people have had their own turning point. And sometimes we just don't recognize it until something else reminds us of, hey, I'm not really happy right now. And I think, you know, I, I believe we, we all go through these things for a reason, right? Nothing's ever really a wasted opportunity, right? Even your job that helped allowed you to keep a roof over your head so that you could set up your own business, right? Was something there. It was, it was meant to be. But I think there are people who are meant for things, right? There are people who are passionate about campaign life. There are people who are passionate about DC. And mm-hmm. if you find out it's not for you, then that's okay. Yeah. And I think there's so much guilt that we hold on to that we stay sometimes longer. Uh, I, I speak from personal experiences. Sometimes I, I stayed in my job longer because I kept uh, justifying it. I kept saying like, I love the people I work with. I love the people I work with. And it was a mantra. And I recognized that a second time that that had happened in my life. And I was like, I love the people I work with. I love the people I work with. And then when I realized, wait a minute, I've been here before. I've been in this position of saying, uh, I love the people I work with and not the work I was doing or the job. And it sounds like you recognized that and kind of made that pivot. And now here you are, a life coach and helping people uh, in a different way than you were previously. So what made you think a life coach though? Well, along, you know, parallel to the career I'd had so far, I had been teaching yoga and um, fitness classes. And honestly, I was doing a lot of it, especially in DC, because I was paid so crappily, crappily, is that a word? I was paid so poorly and DC is really expensive. And, um, and so I was trying to teach as many yoga classes as I could to just, you know, be a little more comfortable financially. And, um, and I really, really loved it. And I also had struggled with body image dysmorphia. Um, I just always felt like my whole life, oh, if I just lost five more pounds, then I could get all the guys to like me and I could have any relationship I wanted or I could feel confident or good enough or whatever. And so, um, that had been a really big part of my life. And then, um, I kind of accidentally, which is another story, I accidentally healed that. And, um, and so then I, I know I, I'd always been passionate about health and fitness and everything. So, um, one of my friends was telling me about one of her friends who was a yoga teacher and wanted to do it full time, but wanted to make it more like sustainable and not just going from studio class to studio class to studio class, which isn't sustainable and won't pay you enough, you know to have a full-time salary and like she does health coaching and that's what she she does yoga and health coaching and that's you know her business and how she you know gets paid and I was like health coaching what is this and I just was like so fascinated by it so I went to IIN Institute for Integration and got my health coaching certification and within like the first three months realized I did not want to be a health coach (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) I was like I actually don't really I mean like I'm very passionate about positive body image and, and everything like that. Um, and body diversity, but I was not like, I didn't care what people ate. I didn't care if people went to the gym or if they, it wasn't for you. 
like just yeah, I just didn't care. And I had, um, but at this time, at this point, I'd already invested so much money. Plus, I really wanted, I still wanted to be a coach. I just didn't want to be a health coach. I wanted to help people, but I just did not like the topic in which I was helping people with. And at the time, I was working with, I would call her a very well blended mix of um, life coach and business coaching. And I had just mentioned to her, I'm like, yeah, so the clients that I have, they tell me that they want to lose weight because they don't want to go out and date when they feel like this. Or this one woman told me that she didn't want to have sex with her husband because uh, he's skinnier than she is. And she felt self-conscious about that. And so I just kept hearing comments and I would just kind of just casually pass them along to my coach. And, um, and so that was happening at the same time, just working through my own stuff. Um, I began to realize that my journey around body image and everything was very actually closely related to my own relationship and dating story. Like I really, really believed that if I was skinny, I could have any relationship that I wanted. And I didn't really know how to connect on a deep level with, um, you know, I, I date men. So I didn't know how to connect with men on a deeper level, except for like, quote unquote, looking hot or <laughs> acting flirty or whatever. Right. And, and so when I was able to heal my relationship with food, that also accidentally, inadvertently healed my relationship with men and dating and love and all of those things. And it wasn't that long after then that I met my now husband. And so um, when that story became really clear, she was like, Veronica, my coach, she was like, Veronica, I think, I think being like a relationship coach is more of your calling than a health coach. And I was like, at this point, I was still really gung ho on making the health coaching thing work. And I was like, People don't pay for you were pushing back on it. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, you don't pay for love coaches. Like, that's not even a thing. (laughs) Turns out it's definitely a thing. And and so once I stood with it a little bit, I was like, oh my gosh, like this is so so perfect. And it's really what I want to talk about. And I've been talking about it now for almost five years and I'm not part of it yet. Um, and I, you know, I just adore my clients, I adore my business. Um like amazing success stories and amazing progress and just things that my clients have achieved and their loves lives, love lives and beyond. Um, but yeah, that's, so it's kind of like a roundabout way. Like I, I always was into personal development. I was always, not always, but you know, I wanted to be a coach and, um, but I accidentally stumbled upon the love coaching part. I don't know if it's accidental though. I mean, from, yeah, from, yeah. Right, from the way, way you're describing yeah. it, I think it was a natural progression of things. So you yeah. came up against, something that you were still fighting on. And then here it is. Hey, the fact that you acknowledge it, I think is awesome. And so for the people listening and and for me, what is a love coach? Gosh, it's so hard to like, you know, a like call myself something. It's like so much more. It's like, oh, but it's so much more about love coaching. (laughs) Um, But I really help. I mean, at the core, I always tell clients, like when we do consults, I'm like, you know, the coaching I do is it's all about the dating and it's also not about the dating at all because it's really about you. Okay. And, um, and I, and then I say, um, you know, I'm, I'm not really concerned about whether or not you're dating. I don't really care if you're online dating. Not, I don't care if you're like taking a 
year long dating break. And in fact, that's probably good for most people who, who are really frustrated with their love lives. Um, I'm more concerned about how you treat yourself when shit hits the fan, because I can't guarantee you'll never be rejected again, or you'll never have your heart broken again, or you'll never be disappointed or sad or angry or whatever, because that's part of the human experience. And you can't prevent that. And it's not a bad thing when those things happen. It's just part of your life path. Um, the difference is when those things happen, do they erode on the story you tell yourself about your lovability, your ability to have a relationship, um, what you deserve, who you deserve, you know, like if you keep getting, like, let's say you got broken up with by someone and that like creates a story like, Oh, Nobody wants to be with me. And then that might create an action in the future where you settle for like crappy behavior from mm-hmm. a potential partner. Um, so that's the kind of behavior that I'm most concerned with with my clients. Because again, like can't prevent, you know, heartbreak and all that kind of stuff, rejection. Um, and so if they can experience the worst of the worst and heartbreaks and the crap and all that stuff. And yeah, it's going to hurt. It's not going to not hurt, but it's going to hurt, but not change the story of of what they tell themselves. And it's not going to erode on their self-worth or how they value themselves. To me, like that's the best win of all, because then you're truly not afraid to be more vulnerable because you'll know you'll be able to get through whatever happens. And when you're more vulnerable, you're more yourself. And when those things are in place, then A, you're much more able to pick up on like the bullshit and the red flags. And B, you're more likely to actually connect with the right people. Because if you're in your head about how do I play this so I don't get rejected, sure, you're actually not really emotionally available yourself. So how are you going to be able to connect with someone sitting across the table from you, regardless if that person is emotionally available or not? Um, so yeah, that's really the work that I do. So that's love coaching, but you know, there's a lot of love and dating and relationship coaches out there that are like, if, I don't know, like if you want to get him to, I do these seven texts will, I don't know, <laughs> like stupid yeah. crap. Like, and like, and it really is still out there. And sometimes I think, well, maybe the work I do and the message I have is kind of redundant. And then like, I hear from clients and people in my audience about what other coaches our spaces have been teaching and I'm just like, okay, nope, my message still has a place and it still needs to be, <laughs> it still needs to be shared. Well, so the, the thing that interests me and we talked a little bit in the beginning was your topic of self-love. And it's something that um, you shared your, your story about body image, you know, growing up and even um, as a young adult, I would have people tell me, um, mole, which is like, my child, if if you lose a little weight, people will the boys will come, right? It was like if if you build it, they shall come. Like field of dreams. I'm like I'm not sure. That, I don't I don't think it's it works like that. And for so long, that kind of messaging was in my head, and so I would you know try, or sometimes I wouldn't, and whatever the case was. What I found was as I got older into my 30s, and I looked back at pictures, I'd be like, man. What was I thinking at the time when people would tell me that I was like, man, I was fat. I was fat. And now I'm looking back at a picture. I'm like, wait, where's the person I was seeing at that time? And it was like a different mentality. Right. And it's only now that I'm like stronger, at least in my, my self-worth and self-image. But for the longest time, it would, 
it would be like kind of this defeatist mentality is like boys aren't coming because I'm fat or, you know, if you lose weight or whatever it is. And I think we all have some kind of form of that that we beat ourselves up with. And so wanted to talk to you about how we can build our own self-worth or recognize it. And for some people begin loving ourselves or some people get better at it. Yeah. Well, I mean, really what you're speaking to, it all comes down to the inner child work, Mm -hmm. right? Because, you know, you have these memories of people telling you like, you know, if you lose weight, then the boys will come, right? And for me, my messaging wasn't as clear cut as that, but it was, I still got very strong messaging that it was better to be skinnier Mm -hmm. because I got complimented on not from like people at school but like from my mom you know she was always commenting on oh looks like you gained some weight or oh you're looking really good right now right and so we all want love we all want love safety and belonging and so when you're a kid and someone especially an adult especially your parent says something like that to you then on some level it feels good right it makes you feel like oh i'm doing something right it makes me feel like i belong it makes me feel loved and so then that can very easily create a connection in the brain or an, an awareness in the brain like okay if i want to feel loved if i want to feel good enough then i need to look good enough mm-hmm. right and and so um it's not really a far cry then to apply that then to your love life and whether it's like a teen style love life or an adult style love life, you know, where you might be looking for something a little bit more serious for long term. Um, I just thought, okay, I really want a partner. I really want, well, I really wanted a husband. And um, I learned I got love and attention when I looked a certain way. And this is not necessarily conscious decisions. Like I wasn't aware that this is how things were playing out in my brain after doing a lot of the work. Then I can see very clearly how it played out. But unconsciously, I was like, oh, if I look a certain way, then this guy's going to give me attention because I can see not only from my past experience, but I can also see him maybe sometimes giving attention to like some girl that I perceived as skinny. So what you have to do then is you have to go back to that little girl who felt like she had to be a certain size or look a certain way in order to be good enough. And you ultimately just have to reparent her and you have to heal that wound because that part of you that created that deep belief, that really becomes like almost like a subconscious part of you that is like operating, you know, you know, in the back office, whatever, like calling all the shots, but you may not be aware of it until you decide to become aware of it and do healing around it so that you then learn to connect with people in a different way rather than you know, looking a certain way or, or whatever. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's like about self-love, like, obviously, like you want to be able to, you know, reparenting yourself is about sending love to mm-hmm. that part of you. But like I was saying earlier, it's really about the relationship you have to that, you know, to that part of you. So whenever I find myself kind of going, down a rabbit hole or spiraling a little bit, I can even ask myself like, okay, is this the part of me that just needs validation and needs attention to feel good enough? You know, if I'm like feeling triggered or picking a fight with my husband even now, um, or is there like something that's actually like an issue in the relationship we need to talk about? And sometimes that might be true, but for the most part, it's usually just because like my inner child doesn't feel the love or 
he doesn't feel the love that she wants. And that's actually my job to give her that love and to reprogram that old belief so that then I can show up for my partner and for myself and really anyone else in my life in a, um, in a healthier way. So when, when we talk about self-love, what is it we can do to do better, to better ourselves in terms of that? Well, again, I don't think it's necessarily about self-love. I think it's about the relationship you have with yourself. So, so when, it, you make a, when you make a mistake, mm-hmm. when you get your heart broken, when you do something quote-unquote wrong, do you beat yourself up? Like imagine like, you know, if I was your coach and you told me about how, I don't know, you kept texting some guy, even though like he was kind of a jerk. I don't know. I'm just making something up. Sure. Right? And I was like, and I was like, why do you keep doing that? That's kind of stupid. Like, you know, he's not into you. Like, just let him, like, just let him go. Like, whatever. Like if we had a, like a formal coaching relationship, you would be like, all right. Like, like what? Like you wouldn't feel safe. You wouldn't want to tell me anything else. Right. You'd probably want to refund. You might have some choice words for me, like whether you say them out loud or in your head. Um, it's just not going to become a safe environment for you. And so like, you're not going to be able to do the healing work that you need to do in order to achieve whatever goal you wanted to achieve by working with me. Right. And it's no different when it comes to the way that we talk to ourselves. So if you make a mistake or, um, find yourself in the same pattern or the same kind of relationship or the same kind of situation again, do you beat yourself up and say, Oh, I'm such an idiot. How did I get here? Or if you can't seem to get over your past relationship and you're like, Oh, why can't I get over my ex? Like Simon, the right person for me or whatever, you're just beating yourself up and you're not creating a safe environment for you to do the healing work. You're not even really creating a safe environment for you to just to be you in, in your body in your life. And and that's going to make everything just really, 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 really hard. And so instead, if you can practice self-compassion and self-trust and be like, okay, I know I made this mistake. I was really hoping to not do it again, but it's okay. Who knows why it happened? Maybe I, there's something else I need to learn, but I'm just going to be really gentle with myself. I'm going to be kind with myself. And whatever feelings come up around it, I'm going to just let myself feel them and just know that. Um, you know, I'm here with myself and I can handle it and I can take care of myself, then that's a whole different kind of, I mean, you can feel the energy difference, right? Sure. And yeah, when you're in that kind of space, you're, um, you're just going to be much better off in like all areas of your life. A, you're probably going to feel less stressed and anxious all the time. And B, you're going to settle for less crap from potential partners. And C, you're probably going to be in a better headspace to do better work in the world. You know, whatever your work is, you're probably going to make less mistakes in terms of like driving your car or financial mistakes or whatever, just because like you're not beating yourself up because when you beat yourself up that's when the spiral starts and that's when just everything in life becomes so much harder so is it is it practice that makes us uh, start doing it innately is just kind of taking it one experience yeah. at a time yeah i mean once you do some of the initial child inner child healing like it really does become just at this point habit change right because like it's not just all of our inner child stuff it's also societal like we are especially as i think women specifically we're kind of trained to like be quote-unquote perfect and we're not perfect like to beat ourselves up about it and um and so your brain is going to want to go straight to 
you know, the inner critic, whatever you want to call that part of you. And it's not about also demonizing the inner critic because the inner critic is still part of you. So you can't, you, you got to be nice to the inner critic too. <laughs> um, but it's, it's more like, hello, inner critic. I see you're here. I'm just going to let you sit on the side. I, I got this one. You know, that's like the kind of right. relationship with the inner critic. Um, but uh, gosh, I don't remember the question. But um, yeah, it's, oh yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a habit. And so the first, you know, little bit when you're trying to change this habit, you might go down that rabbit hole pretty far before you realize, oh, wow, I am like beating myself up. Yeah. And then as soon as you realize you pull yourself out and do, you know, talk to yourself in a new way. You do some self-soothing practices and healing practices. And then maybe you do this for a little bit. And then all of a sudden, like you kind of catch yourself before you go too far down. And then all of a sudden you'll be able to see that that turnoff is there, but you don't go on that turnoff. You go, keep going straight instead of, you know, veering left or whatever. And um, so it takes time. And again, this is like the whole thing, right? Because like, Sometimes you might go down the rabbit hole, but then you beat yourself up for going down the rabbit hole. <laughs> so like it's like it just a circle. compounding and it's just like, right. And so whenever there's an opportunity for you to be nicer to yourself, you got to grab it. And, um, and uh, yeah, just um, practice the compassion as soon as you realize that you're not. I- I'm going to be honest. That sounds hard. Like, oh Yeah. Yeah, it's not it's not easy. And it takes it takes um I don't like the word discipline because that sounds really like err, you know, and like (laughs) usually need more compassion. But it takes um one of my mentors, she really she uses the word devotion a lot. It takes devotion. Mm. A commitment of sorts. Yeah. Yeah. A gentle commission commitment to yourself. I mean, I think you know, um, you talked earlier about how you, you like to read self de- personal development, right? And, and work on that. This seems to be something that people should start incorporating into their life to kind of get into the habit of it so that we can be better people, you know? Uh, so what is, what is something you would recommend to help people with that? Is there something? What do you mean? Like to so, help them start? Yeah. To help them start in being more compassionate to themselves? Yeah, well, I, I think the first thing is to really just understand where the root of it all comes, right? Because like, nobody was born a people pleaser. Nobody was born a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. Nobody was born an overachiever. All of that stuff got started from somewhere. And for the overwhelming majority of us, it got started in childhood. Like, you know, and it doesn't just apply to people who are from divorce or trauma or families where there was a death. Um, we are all humans raised by, and we're all per- imperfect humans raised mm-hmm. by imperfect humans. But like when you're five years old, you don't realize like, Oh yeah, my, my mom is just projecting all of this stuff onto me because she's an imperfect human, <laughs> like said no five-year-old, right? Like, <laughs> you know, a mom might, I don't know, like, be mopey emotionally around the house and a five-year-old's like, Oh, something I, I, I did something wrong. I can fix this. I can make mom better or something. And so you have to, you have to trace back, like where did whatever, whatever pattern, whatever thing that you want to shift in your life, whether it's in your relationships or with money or career or whatever, you have to go back and understand where did this belief and the habit 
uh, and the pattern come from, because then that's going to give you the information that you need to begin healing it. Um, you know, some people say, oh, I would just, I just like helping people. I'm just a people pleaser. I'm like, no, no, you're not. Like <laughs> helping people and being a kind, genuine person is very different than being a people pleaser. And so, so I think that first we just have to recognize that whatever the things are that we want to shift, we weren't born like that. We created these patterns or habits because of something that happened mm-hmm. in childhood. For for those listening who had something like very acutely traumatic happen, it might feel a little bit more obvious for your listeners who had an otherwise good childhood and maybe even good relationships with their parents. They might be like, well, my childhood was fine. Like Again, you were still raised by imperfect humans, whether they are your parents or somebody else that was raising you. And so at some point you didn't feel the love, safety, and belonging that we all need to feel. And that created some sort of belief system way in which you saw the world, which you might've seen as universally true, but almost certainly isn't universally true. Right. And I'll just give another quick example. Like, let's say, let's say your dad is a good dad, right? Like he provided, he was nice. He was kind, but I don't know. Let's say he didn't really get to go to your soccer games because he was always at work. And this is like, I get this is very like gender normative and whatever, but just hang with me for a second. Um, And so you created a story of like, oh, if I want to get attention from my dad, like I have to, you know, make it to the state finals or whatever in Um, soccer. So it's like a really big deal. And then he'll come, right? And so then that can easily create a belief of like, if I want to get attention, if I want to get love, I have to overachieve. I have to like push myself to the nth degree. And that can certainly show up in career. Very and we can very easily very see the, the parallel. But it can also show up in your relationships like as an adult without healing that core wound or that belief. Um, you can think, oh well, if I want this person to call me back or if I want this person to be in a serious relationship with me, then I have to like you know, be some like glorified version of myself and I have to like help them with their stuff and I have to do this and this. And and, like, you just think that love is or attention is, um, or your worthiness, I should say, and your love is conditional of, yeah, of whatever they perceive of you or whatever you're doing or not doing. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's, that sounds like if you do the work, it sounds like you can have a huge impact on, on you. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean like lives like just dramatically change. Mm. Just dramatically. You know, clients who have been either chronically single for years, if not decades, or in like crappy, 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 crappy relationships. You know, you do this work and it sounds like a lot when I when I share it. And like it's not that it's easy work and that you can just do it and then like you're good, but it doesn't have to take years and years of therapy. And, um, and I think you can, I shouldn't say quickly. I mean, quickly is relative, right? If you spent decades living one way and then within a year you're able to turn around. I, I think that's pretty quick, but maybe some people wouldn't. Um, but I think you can quicker than you think, turn things around and, um, and, and do this healing inner, inner healing work and really just start, attracting a different kind of relationship and person into your life. And is that, is that kind of work um, time restrictive or is this something that can be done at any point in your life? Like it's ongoing work. 
any oh it's ongoing it's like it's like once you pop you can't stop right yeah. so it's, <laughs> it's not like it's not like when you're learning like the multiplication tables like okay i learned the multiplication tables like i'm good now right it's like you yeah you might learn the concept of inner child healing and then you get that but the whole way of living it it's just a lifelong dedication because you're still going to get rejected sometimes you're still going to have disappointment you're still going to have whatever and so you want to be able to again like i said earlier be able to deal with that in a healthier way sure so otherwise you can do all this work but then you get rejected and you're going to beat yourself up and then you're just going to be back in the same pattern yeah guys i hope you're i hope you're taking notes or <laughs> read the show notes cuz this is good stuff to help you do better frankly and so yeah. veronica before i let you go let me ask you what is something that these dream chasers who are listening can do for themselves to make them better prepared to chase their dreams or just to face the next day? I always tell my clients, and I think this is um, a good thing for your dream chasers to hear. I always tell my clients, you can do every single assignment, you know, do every, use every single tool, every single homework thing that I give you from our coaching sessions. But if you still beat yourself up and treat yourself like crap, then you're not going to see the change that I think you really want to see. Not that nothing will change, but it's just not going to be at the level or pace that I think you want. And so I think if nothing else, just being nice to yourself and not beating yourself up over quote unquote mistakes or the things you quote unquote did wrong. Or if you're feeling a way that you don't really want to feel like if you're feeling sad, or if you're feeling angry at someone or still not over someone, if you can just be compassionate with yourself around all of that, I think, um, I think that'll take you a, a really long way. And then B, I think it'll really set you up nicely to do some of this inner healing work. I love it. I love it. Veronica, thank you so much for coming on the show and just sharing all this insight on how we can be more compassionate with ourselves and chase our dreams better by doing so. I, I truly appreciate it. I learned a lot myself that I'm going to put yeah, into action. So definitely appreciate that. I'm so glad. So if these guys want to connect with you, how can they find you online? So I'm um, the best thing to do is to come over to take my free workshop where I talk more about the inner child healing. Um, so if that's something that resonates and you're like, Ooh, I want to learn more about how to do that. Then you can go grab that at veronicagrant.com forward slash workshop. And I also have a podcast called the love life connection. And um, I actually bring women onto the show and coach them around relationship, mostly relationships, sometimes life stuff. Uh, and that's also a good opportunity just to hear what inner child coaching is like um because we're just basically like listening into our coaching conversations and then of course i'm on instagram it's my favorite place to connect you can send me dms i respond to everything minus spam don't respond to that but uh, <laughs> veronica e grant is my instagram <laughs> guys be sure to connect with veronica after the show and check her out follow her you're gonna learn a lot veronica thank you again my pleasure thank you for having me Thank you so much for listening to Chasing Dreams. Amy would love to connect with you and hear all about your pursuit of chasing your dreams. Connect with her on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram via at Chasing Dreams HQ. Or you can find Amy on Twitter at AmyJ21. That's A-I-M-E-E-J-2-1. Be sure to visit headquarters over at 
ChasingDreamsHQ.com for more inspiration, motivation, and resources to help with your own dream chase. We hope you'll join Amy next week. And until then, keep chasing. Keep chasing.